We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Tucked away from the city, Raccoon Creek is your go-to golf course. Their location in Littleton provides more than just a beautiful golfing experience. They have the perfect setting for year-round events with unbelievable views. It's a fun place to golf. It's a different atmosphere. It's a really nice course. and It's fast greens. They have a good crew there, so it's always in good shape. They're having uh, comedy shows. They got like this really cool fire pit in the back now. It's changed a lot. There's a whole, whole new patio that has like the best views in Colorado. I think you can just see the mountains, you see the golf course. You know, kind of like Cheers. Everybody knows your name and your handicap. That was Todd. He's been golfing at Raccoon Creek for years now, and it's his favorite golf course in the area because of the environment that they've created. Raccoon Creek has embraced technology, adding golf board rentals to their course, as well as updating their golf carts to be equipped with GPS that provides score updates of sporting events and live scoring for outings and tournaments. They also have an app where you can schedule tee times, receive happy hour specials, and stay up to date on all of their upcoming events. Download their app today and receive a free bucket of balls or check them out online at raccooncreek.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Beverage. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into another episode of the BSN Avalanche Podcast presented by Total Bev. I'm your host today, AJ Hayfley, alongside Nathan Rudolph. Rudo, I am going to bring back an old Jesse Montano staple here, and I am going to start us off with an icebreaker. Our uh, listeners only have really known you from your streamables, some of your video content, your broken-ass chair, and uh, your work on Reddit. So let's, uh, you know, if they're not familiar with any of those things, let's... Let's start to get to know you a little bit, okay? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite cartoon character and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. I have a couple. Oh, you have like a list? Not, uh, a, okay. not a whole list, just a few. Uh, as a kid, I really loved Tom from Tom and Jerry because 
he would get the crap beat out of him, but would still end up outsmarting <laughs> Jerry about half the time. And then, of course, Jerry would get away. But <laughs> uh, All right. And then a more modern cartoon character. I guess it's not modern anymore, but modern when I was a kid um, is Ed from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Which one? Uh, the the stupid one, Ed. <laughs> okay. Um, because he just loved life all the time. Didn't matter what was going on. He wasn't the brightest, but he just enjoyed being part of the ride. All right. That's interesting. I, uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie was, oh man, that was like right at the end of my regular uh, cartoon watching phase of my life. So I uh, I was very hit or miss with that. I'd watch it occasionally. It was a funny show, though. I liked it. Yeah, it, it wasn't anything too complex, was it? Neither was Tom and Jerry, no, no, to be fair. No. But yeah, I mean, and then it was loud. You could get into the whole tsunami conversation as well. But, you know, I feel like picking Goku's just cheating. So, um, I mean... If you're into that, <laughs> that's, you know, Goku, huh? Sure. Why not be the fanboy? Yeah. I, um, my, uh, my best friend was a huge Vegeta fan. That's fair. I, I used to fancy myself a Krillin fan, but I just couldn't actually do it. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't get there. No. <laughs> After he gets cut in half for the sixth time. Yo, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh that's okay that's quite a list i um i don't know that i have any favorite cartoon characters like off the top of my head that weren't just pulled straight from the x-men animated series so um for me it would probably be gambit and wolverine perfectly fair those were the two characters that i just and and like when you love Gambit, you kind of love Rogue just because they're together. Yeah, they're they're a, they're a thing. So, um, and she's a, she's a great character in her own right. I don't want to make it feel like I'm minimizing her. Uh, yeah, um, as a kid, I could never do the superhero like shows. I Justice League would always be on when I got home, and I'd be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, never never watched it. No, X Men animated series was like it in like the early nineties, and um, uh, my brother got me into Transformers, so gotcha. I watched watched some of that as well. But I didn't have any favorites from Transformers. It was just like Optimus Prime is cool, and then he you know he dies, and it's just like, all right, well I'm not going to buy the rest <laughs> of these toys just because you guys are trying to sell them to me. So fair, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're four minutes in. We've talked about cartoons. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get to what we're actually going to talk about. We are just as a heads up. We have been uh, kind of drowning you guys in draft talk lately, and uh, so we are going to take the next couple of days off. Um, really, pretty much this whole week, we're not going to talk NHL draft too much. Uh, today, we are going to do some contract stuff, and then. We are going to look at the league as a whole. There's been a lot going on around the league. Game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals is on Wednesday. So we'll be talking about that this week. And then uh, be a GM. Judge GM on Friday is, is going to happen again. 
Again, if you guys have not already sent in your submissions, and based on my inbox, most of you have, um, bsnavalanche at gmail.com. A lot of people have started sending them to my personal one. Don't do that. <laughs> you aren't disqualified or anything. It just kind of muddles my my inboxes, and I'm trying to keep everything straight. So um, send them to bsnavalanche at gmail.com for your uh, GM submissions if you want to continue to play. I think Nathan and I are probably required to do ours this week, so we'll uh, we'll do we'll we'll slip ours into the end of the show, maybe the beginning of the show. I made sure maybe the middle of the show. At least one interesting trade, at least. <laughs> yeah, I have not done mine yet, so we'll uh, we'll see. Try I'm trying. To, I'm waiting for inspiration. Uh, mine. I got a got a thought to make it a little less boring. So. <laughs> There, see, there you go. Oh, man, while while we were recording, I just got another one. There you go. They keep rolling in. I tell you, I it's it's funny when I wake up and I see like five emails and I'm like, these are just GM things. <laughs> and I look I look at my phone. It's like, oh, yep, certainly. Uh, well, playing real GM uh, is Jason Botterill up in Buffalo, and they got to work. Signing Jeff Skinner to a nine, or I'm sorry, an eight-year, seventy-two million dollar contract worth nine million per season. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Skinner. He got his money, didn't he? Ooh, yeah, he did. Yeah, it's. I mean, power to Skinner. Buffalo. It certainly seems like they had the money to do it, but man, if oh, yeah. that isn't steep. Yeah, my initial reaction was. Um, about a million more than I would have paid for Jeff Skinner. Yeah. But Buffalo was in a tough spot where they absolutely had to keep him. They traded for him. Now, while they didn't, they certainly didn't give up a lot for him. Uh, you can't in back-to-back years give up Ryan O'Reilly for essentially nothing and then watch watch Jeff Skinner go into free agency uh, when you're sitting on, they were just under $30 million in cap space uh, before the signing. They're all the way down to 20 now. But they and they don't have anybody. Yeah, I think if they lose Skinner, their mm. next best winger is Acaposo. Right, and, and well, and Kyle Pozo has has not been no, not what they had hoped. <laughs> yeah, he has not been the guy that they had they thought they were getting. Which a lot of people were like, "Well, trying to tell you that <laughs> there was a reason I was very anti Kyle Pozo that summer." Yeah. Uh, having watched him with the Isles for a long time, like good, like like a nice player getting hard carried on a on a line with a great center. Yep. <clears throat> Although you know, it probably you know Jack Eichel's not bad either. So I guess that dude's okay. <laughs> but Sam Reinhardt, it's really like Skinner, Eichel, and Sam Reinhardt is kind of that yeah that top line now, right? Uh, as they as they find a home for. Another a guy they drafted second overall in Reinhardt. <laughs> yeah, it didn't quite work out as well as Eichel, did he? Yeah, I mean, he's, a, you know, he had a 60-point year last year, so that's nice. But so did Skinner, and Skinner just got $9 million. <laughs> uh, Reinhardt's a UFA next summer, so is that, I mean, they they kind of set that precedent there. But again, like, I think Skinner got the $9 million because they absolutely had to keep him at all costs. And so I think that I think the extra million or so dollars, maybe five hundred thousand dollars, was purely a leverage play. Like they understood Skinner and his camp understood they've got the Sabers where they want them. Yeah, they've got they've got a team that absolutely has to keep him. Absolutely has to. 
if they're ever going to be competitive, they've got to start keeping some some of their 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 good players. Yeah, and then they've got almost no money on the books long term. Their only contracts um, beyond beyond this beyond one year are Eichel, now Skinner, Opozo, and Ristolainen, and Rasmus Dahlin's ELC. If you want to count that, <laughs> um, yeah, it yeah, I agree. I, I definitely think Skinner was working from a point of leverage there. Not only that, but I mean, he scored 40 goals in a contract year and, and goals pay the bills. So I think that helped push him through, which, which we won't see for Reinhardt as much. Um, Yeah. Jeff Skinner is a goal scorer. That's been his thing, his entire career. Uh, A guy that's had multiple 30 goal seasons in the NHL, but his career high in points is 63, which he's done twice now. Um, but you know the upside is he he uh, he did those sixty three point seasons twice in the last three seasons. Yeah, a little bit of consistency there for him. Yeah, and and you know a thirty seven goal season three years ago in Carolina dropped down to twenty four and then got back up to forty with Buffalo. Honestly, could have led the league in goal scoring the way that he started the year, and then I think he only scored two goals in his last like twenty five games or something. So had a major drop off in the second half of the season. Uh, but Buffalo as a team did, yeah, so they sure did. <laughs> you know, was it all just was it just a PDO run? Like what was you it'd be it'd be curious it'll be it will be curious to see how he does in subsequent seasons. A lot of people in Buffalo were doing the whole he's not clutch thing. He can't he can't perform in games that matter, but of course they were also the same people that ran Ryan O'Reilly out of town a year ago. And look at him now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Interesting. Um, Skinner's effect on the market, the immediate effect. Which guy do you think it it means the most for right away? Uh, Anders Lee, I think, is is the most important one. I think he's kind of in the most similar type of vein. He's technically still New York Islanders property. If the Isles feel like they need him, he can do the same kind of thing and force that cost up. Or if he's going to free agency, he can say, look, this guy got paid $9 million to be a goal scorer. And what I do is mm-hmm. a goal scorer. He's only one year removed from scoring 40. Mm-hmm. So, and 62 points. Yeah. An almost identical season. Right. So, that you know, he didn't quite do it this year. I think he only had 28. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, yeah. that works against him a little bit. But, but you're talking about the same type of situation where a, a player is going to get that money for the goal scoring ability and on the free agent market, especially now that Skinner has signed at 9 million before hitting the market. I don't think Lee will get that quite that much, but it's definitely going to push his contract value up. I think it probably puts Lee right about 8 million because he does not have the same kind of track record over many, many years. Uh, the recent track record is it's actually really similar. Uh, if you just go back the last three years, Lee has seasons of 34 goals, 40 goals, and 28 goals. Um, whereas Skinner's last three seasons were 37, 24, and 40. Yeah. So you're talking very, very similar seasons here. Uh, just a, a couple of goals here or there uh, separating them. Uh, but Lee also 52 points, 62 points, 51 points. So very similar profiles in that they are goal-heavy guys and um, not not big assist guys, but are, are also, you know, wings that need to have 
uh, very good centers kind of driving their play. Yeah. They're, they're finishers, yep. not guys that are uh, going to, you know, and Lee played some at center, but he's his best fit is on a wing next to Matt Barzal. Yeah. Like, what, like that's, Straight up. you know, <laughs> get that's where that's, they need to be together. Yep. The same way that Eichel and Skinner need to be together. Like, they, they just have to, you got to put them together. Yeah. Those are, those are the best that they have. And, uh, you know. Don't no no need to get cute with that one. Those are those are your horses. You play them that way, and with the Islanders, lots of money again, kind of like uh, with Buffalo. Lots of money to spend. Um, the Isles have twenty seven million dollars in cap space uh, to bring Lee back, but I do think I I agree with you. Lee's market is the one that had Skinner signed for eight, then Lee is probably looking at seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Now I think Lee is probably looking at eight, eight and a half. And as a guy who's not a great skater and already 28 years old, you do wonder about paying long-term. I don't know that I would go eight years. I don't know that I would go seven years on Anders Lee. Yeah. I mean, I wonder about Skinner even paying him that long, but yeah, I mean, you really do have to, there's not a lot of guys that have, careers that go deep into their thirties into the, into the 33, 34, 35 year old range where they're still scoring 30 every year. Right. It's your, especially the way guys like Lee do it, your body gets beat up to get right. to the positions that he gets to. I mean, taking all that abuse and like, he's a big boy, so he's built for it, but you're right. Like it does, it has a cumulative effect. I mean, that wear and tear over the years, it starts to build up on a guy. Look at Wayne and, Simmons, man. And I mean, I know that's to the ultimate extreme, the way he plays, right. but, but he's fallen apart. Well, that was that was also a guy that had major injuries and had major surgeries to go along with him. But that's all. I mean, Anders Lee is one hip injury away from potentially becoming Wayne Simmons. So Pretty much. You're, you're very – you do have to worry about the wear and tear on power forwards like that. And – uh, how they're how they're going to age because he does have that kind of game and oh, I don't know I mean they look at Andrew Ladd like for the Islanders yeah. they've got to be careful <laughs> they've got Andrew Ladd for four more years of five point five million and he may never play again because injuries have just sapped him of all effectiveness he got he basically got to New York and fell apart yeah physically immediately didn't take long did it. No, not at all. And that was he was thirty when they signed that contract, so he's just two years older than uh, than than Anders Lee is uh, right now. And Anders Lee turns twenty nine. We're saying he's sitting here twenty eight. He turns twenty nine on July third. Of course, on the other side of the coin, you have Joe Pavelski, who just put up thirty eight goals at thirty four. So <laughs> right, and you do always have those exceptions where you can be like, oh, well, those guys exist, so this guy will be totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely a risk to take. There's a reason that the Sharks said, "Okay, we'll bring Pavelski back on a on a five year deal." Or was it a six? I think it was five, right? They signed him when he was 29. Um, yeah, yeah some something like that. They up until recent years when they gave Vlasic and Burns all of the years and all of the money. <laughs> yeah, uh, they'd actually been pretty conservative with some of those contracts. Right, but. You know, it, it's more of a, especially when they start getting up into the mid thirties, this is a, let's take yeah. it year by year more type of thing. It was a five-year deal. Okay. Yeah. So, so At that 29 years old, even that feels like 
you know, you're pushing it at 34, but it was reasonable for a player of, of that caliber. The thing is now we're starting to see the new market set, right? They mm-hmm. signed Pavelski for five years for six million, and Skinner just got signed for nine million for eight. And this might be the beginning of the new normal. It, you know, Skinner also again like had unique leverage on uh, a bad team that absolutely, absolutely was dying to keep him, uh, and one with cap space. Yeah, and and sure, maybe the reality of the new normal mm-hmm. is more like eight million for these type of guys. But that's still a significant increase. And yes, it does Mm -hmm. come with the cap increasing as well. But you have to adjust your thinking on on how this works and look more at cap percentage than actual dollar value. Well, and the cap percentage is significant. It Uh, is. Skinner's is at at 9 million right now. Uh, It's 11.32%. That's huge. Yeah. When we talk about a guy that, you know, has like a 6% cap hit percentage, you're like, okay. Not insignificant, but something you can work around. At 11.32%, you need that guy to be a star player for you. Yeah. Like, like flat out, that guy has to be a star player. He he has to be one of the top 50 guys in the NHL. Because sure. he's being paid like it now. Yeah, no, I would have no argument there. Anything less than that would be disappointing. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, you look at some of the deals... Uh, that that the the big stars have signed over the years, you know. You obviously you look at like a Crosby at eight point seven million dollars right now. That that deal that was a that was a unique deal because it was during the uh, the whole loophole era where guys yeah. were getting signed for their whole careers. Yeah. But even then, when he signed that, that was a twelve year deal. The cap hit percentage at the time of signing was fourteen point five. And now, like, now, you know, at 8.7 million, like, oh, right. it's... that guy's a huge steal. But I do wonder, you know, the, the Pavelski thing, I, th- I think this year is going to set up for an interesting conversation for a guy like Malkin in a couple of years. Yeah, I, I agree there. And and that's the double-edged sword of, of signing a guy to an eight-year type deal, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about the negatives where if they get old and fall off, then that's horrible. But if they keep staying... I, good pace up into their mid thirties, all of a sudden that 9 million drops from an 11% cap it to eight, 7%. Right. And you're perfectly fine with that. Well, and using Malkin right now, uh, he's making 9.5 million at the time of signing. It was 14.77%. And, you know, with Skinner's at just over 11%, I, you know, I haven't done the exact math here, but $500,000 more, Malkins is probably in the eleven percent somewhere. It's dropped three percent, right? With three years to go on that deal, like that's that's you know their their cap troubles are getting easier, a little easier every year because the cap continues to go up, and those percentages keep going down and down and down and down. You know, Chris Letang wildly effective uh, at seven two five million. You know he's he's still a guy that is that plays really well and produces a lot of points for them, and that that contract gets a little bit better every single year. Tyson Berry's about to get paid eight, right? So Latang's going to be cheaper than that. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> be cool. I almost could could have gone a whole show without getting into it, <laughs> but it is. I mean, it is an ever present. 
contract right. and in a in a situation that kind of it, looms over the entire organization right now. It doesn't go away until he's it's the contract is done or he's gone. It's right. just the way it is. Yep. Fair enough. Um, any final thoughts here on Skinner himself? Because we're going to continue to talk about this deal, the effect it's going to have on the market. But any any last thoughts here for segment number one on just Jeff Skinner? Skinner is an interesting guy. He would be someone that that I would have been very interested in on the abs. But boy, nine million. I just I would have been tough. Yeah, it, if that was the going rate on on July one. I wouldn't have blamed the abs to not be in on that. That would have been a tough sell. Yeah. Because then you'd have, I mean, really, well, we'll get into this next segment. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to keep going down this rabbit hole. Otherwise we're going to have one really long segment and two, segment. <laughs> two ultra short ones. So <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's, let's jump out of this one for right now before we get too into this uh, and the effect it's going to have on other people. Cause this contract is still going to matter quite a bit for the Avalanche and on a couple of different fronts, potentially. Yep. So before we uh, get into that game-changing contract and its effect, I'm going to tell you guys about some game-changing <laughs> coffee. Strava Craft is a CBD-enriched coffee that's really changed lives with incredible reviews that you have to check out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, it's helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use promo code BSN2019 at checkout. You'll get it shipped straight to your door. That does it. Segment number one here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. We will be right back. Welcome back in. Segment number two here, the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage. Nathan... Where does the where does a fish deposit their money? Uh, I don't know, like a fish bank account. Close in the river bank. Ah, makes sense. Yes. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> Jeff Skinner's contract gonna have a little bit of effect on some things here. One of the one of the things I think it's going to be used for, and now this is a little ways off here, but the Avs have two years left on Gabriel Landeskog's deal. They do. 26 years old right now for Landeskog. Mm-hmm. Um, 5.571429 uh, AAV. <laughs> I exactly. hate it. I hate it. <laughs> why, would, why, why couldn't he have just given him 40 million? <laughs> why 39? Like, ah, anyway. Point being, uh, very similar profiles here. Uh, Jeff Jeff Skinner just turned 27. So when Landeskog is eligible for free agency, he will be a year older than Skinner. But looking at what has happened over the last couple of years with Landy, you know, pretty similar in that, uh, you know, Landeskog way more assists. But pretty similar in that they were both, you know, 50-ish, 60-point guys. Landeskog was good for mid-20 goals a year, but could give you 30 assists on top of it. 
And then this last year, obviously, had a point-per-game season, 75 points in 73 games played, and had 34 goals scored. If that keeps up for the next two years, how much does this Jeff Skinner contract come into play when Colorado has to sign Landeskog? I think it it definitely matters if he proves that he can consistently score 30. That's... You can't discount it at all. I do think it is a little bit of a different factor. You kind of mentioned this on Pavelski as well, because Landy's the captain of the team. Mm-hmm. He's always huge he, part of the culture. Yeah, he's face of the like franchise. Always wants to be here. So I I don't see him maybe using that leverage quite as aggressively as Skinner did. But then the cap's going to go up another however many million, especially with Seattle coming in. So. <laughs> Right, his his deal, uh, Landeskog's deal, will end as they begin play. Right, so you know that if it's anything like it was with Vegas, that came with a, a big cap increase as well, and it would not surprise me at all to see Landy making making big money. Um, I wonder. It, it'll be very interesting to see where Landeskog's contract stacks up against what Rantanen ultimately ends up getting, because I can see them ending up in quite similar areas. Is that incentive? Is that a loan incentive for Rantanen to not take a long-term deal? It might be. It, it you know you're probably getting a a good chunk of change more because the cap is just going to be larger if you end up taking a bridge. I don't. I basically wouldn't do that if I was the Avs. I would do whatever it takes to get him signed long term. But yeah, but I mean, if you're talking about from Rantanen's position, yeah, of course you can be looking at the same exact situation that we are right now and say, okay, Jeff Skinner got that. Landy, let's say Landy does have two more seventy point seasons uh, in the next two years, say seventy five points each. That and he and he drops thirty goals on each of them. I think you're looking at more than nine million. I think you're looking at more like ten and a half. Maybe, um, especially given that he's really good two way. But I think I think you bring up a good point though. He does not. He wouldn't have the same kind of leverage Skinner had. The Avs would not be in the same kind of desperate right. situation to keep him because they're trying to build something, anything. That's a window. That's, you know, but those two years, you fully expect them to be right in the middle of contending for a cup, you know, competing they, for for division championships. And captaining that team as well. Right. So. so there's a lot of reason. There's a lot of reason for him to stay and not extract every last dollar he can from the organization. I'm not talking about a hometown discount. I'm just talking about a middle ground here between ruthlessly using every ounce of your leverage to, to get all the money that you can versus a hometown discount where you take something clearly under market to stay where you are. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't take 10 million off the table. Uh, Again, it depends on on the cap increases, which we don't know exactly how much that'll end up being. I do but, think it'll benefit them that the, you know, when Vegas came in, the big bump came the year after they started play. Yeah, that's true. 
and that won't that bump will happen after Landeskog has already signed his new contract. <coughs> Excuse right. me, I got I got wrong hold by my water. Uh oh. Um. Well, I, I'm sure the Avs will have a a, a good hold on on what that cap hit is going to look like and and how much the cap is going to go up there when they're negotiating with Landeskog. So, so I will see how much that actually comes into play, but I, I do think Landeskog is the type to maybe take a little bit more of a hometown discount, even middle ground or, or lower even. And, you know, maybe he gets there and, and things change and he wants to get paid, but, I think we said this on on the show. I don't really know what you can do with 120 million that you can't with 100 million. So, <laughs> sure, but you also don't need to just leave 20 million dollars sitting That's there. That's very true. If if it's on the table, yeah. And I I wonder how much it depends on on where the Avs are as a team as well. If the Avs feel like, oh, we we still need this one more piece to really get a cup. Would Landy be willing to take a little bit of a discount to make room for that? Maybe, or maybe, <coughs> maybe things go great and the Abs already have a cup by the time his his contract negotiation is up, and and then that's going to push it the other way where he's even more valuable. Maybe he's already won the cup, and he's like, "All right, I did everything I said I was going to do." Yeah, pay me. Paid. <laughs> yeah, I think the two given it's two years from now. I think uh, Skinner at, I think at most it gives them like a bottom line. Yeah, I, it, it gives them a, okay. Well, that's where the market has gone to on guys like that now, because um, you know seventy five points in in seventy three games. If he were to keep that that kind of pace up, and say he stays healthy and say he moves up to eighty points, yeah, then now you're really talking. <laughs> right then. Then I think that <clears throat> that conversation changes quite a bit uh, because, you know, the big fish that, that we're talking about in free agency this year is Panarin, who has back-to-back 80-point seasons as a left wing. Yeah, and we've already – I've gone on record at least saying that I'd give him 12 and a half right now, so. That would be like I – think, I think that would be the upper limit of me of where I would go. Sure. That's but, what, man, that's so much money. But but even then it's it's on your radar, right? It's not something you're just tossing right. away. Right. I'm not like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, it's I think that would be <clears throat> excuse me. Jesus, I cannot get rid of this. <laughs> I think that would definitely be um something that you know, maybe maybe you maybe you take him off the top line. <laughs> you know, like you draft a center at four, you go out and you sign somebody, and <clears throat> you let him play next to Tyson Jost next year, and he goes back down to being a sixty-point guy for you. <laughs> you know, Landy, we really don't need you to be point per game, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you don't do it for that reason, but maybe it's like a it's like a oh, this is an accidental benefit for us. Right. We have more balance on our roster. And Lady stopped scoring thirty five goals, but you know we paid twelve million, right? Like 
We don't have to pay him $12 million, and instead we're paying Kerfoot and Landis Gaga combined $14 million instead. Right, yeah. it's Obviously, you, you do whatever it takes to win, but... <laughs> of course. It's a nice little benefit if you end up getting someone else to take that top player role. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I do think it's going to be interesting, and it's it really kind of also underscores the importance of this year's draft class. This... You know, Martin Martin Kaut last year, <clears throat> the fourth pick this year, the 16th pick this year. If those guys are forwards, you need them to be good and contributing because these cats are going to get expensive. Landis Cog is going to get expensive. We obviously know McKinnon is in for an enormous raise. Um, he's going to get more than double what he's making by the time he hits free agency. He's going to be a $15 million player. Yeah, I, I think pretty easily. <laughs> And <clears throat> you're hoping you can get Ranton in to take $10 million over eight years or something. Right. Get as much as you can out of him there. But, right. but right. Otherwise, you could be talking about $35 million for these three guys. We've, we've talked about it a few times, and, and it's worth pounding the point home that you need these ELC guys to step up so you don't have to pay Matt Nieto $2 million, Matt Calvert almost $3 million. That's money that's going to have to go to the big stars when it's time yeah. to get paid. Well, and even Mark Barbario, 1.45 to be what is now your seventh or eighth defenseman, depending on how it shakes out with Ryan Graves. Right, exactly. Like, <clears throat> you have to 100%. Like, Colorado is guy, has got all this good young talent that's cheap and all that right now. It doesn't, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> it, like, it, up to this point, it has not mattered at all. Yeah. That's and true. it's going to matter a lot in the next couple of years. You know, like, Maybe maybe <clears throat> Tyson Jost has a Ryan O'Reilly-like ELC. You know, O'Reilly had 26 points, 26 points, and then I think 52 points after that. And That's not going to be cheap if that like, happens. And the abs would have been better off just giving him $5 million at the end of that and over the long term and, and calling it good. Yep. They rolled the dice. They played hardball because Matt Duchesne got hurt in his third year and took a $3.5 million bridge deal instead. And they said, well, Matt Duchesne's been way better than you over three years. We can't give you double. Right. <clears throat> what, yeah. you know, for, for O'Reilly, maybe Tyson Jost has that kind of same situation where his third year, he doubles his career production. And, <clears throat> you know, you're like, well, maybe we can lock this guy in long term for, for a little bit cheaper than what it's going to take. I think Colorado hasn't done a lot of that. You know, they did it with McKinnon. They did it with Landeskog. They did it with Duchesne. Um, they did it with Varlamov. But they didn't get, like, major, major, major discounts on most of those guys at the time of the signings. Obviously, McKinnon was a different situation. He has turned into an absolute freaking monster. <laughs> and <clears throat> Landeskog, I think, has been fairly paid up until this last season That's when he enough. randomly turned into a point-per-game guy. I think one thing that's going to have to happen, Colorado's going to have to start winning some negotiations because I don't think they've done that. Yeah, I, I um, agree. They need to, and that's also going to require them taking a few risks. You know, if, if Jost has a 50-point season, they might have to take the chance on, on giving him a little bit more and signing him for a little bit longer to get value out of that, and, and hopefully he really is a 50-point player, and that's not a fluke type thing. Yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be huge, honestly. If they could get him 
and and then get a discounted contract moving forward. That you know, we had uh, one of our GM submissions last week had JT Comfer on a seven year deal at under five million dollars. Yeah, uh, it was like a four two five or something like that. Like it sounds a little expensive today, but I think by the end of that contract, we're looking at that like we kind of are the Soderberg deal, where we're like, yeah, that was great, that was perfectly fine. Yeah, I I think it'd probably be at least as good as the Soderberg deal. <clears throat> I I think that the team should seriously start to get a little more aggressive with trying to get some of these younger guys on long-term deals. You know, I've I've said, hey, with Comfer and, and Kerfoot and, you know, some of these guys right now, two-year deals make perfect sense. Uh, you don't have to get crazy. It allows, you to, it allows you to go a little bigger in free agency. It allows you all the financial flexibility that you want over the next two summers because uh, you're going to have Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard and, <clears throat> you know, hopefully Tyson Jost's con- contract next summer is meaningful. Is in the at least in the comfort Kerfoot range. We we know they're not afraid to to use term either, like we said with right. Soderberg, and and they've signed other free agents on the older side of things to to extra years on their deals. So why yeah. not do it with the younger kids too? Yeah, I just I think that's going to be a big shift for them moving forward. Is they've got to be a lot more willing, and maybe maybe they haven't been willing because they haven't seen it out of any of the young guys. You know, they haven't seen very much. Oh, yeah, we want to keep that guy around for the next five years. We want to make this guy somebody that's going to be here for a long time. You know, maybe they've seen a lot of their more of the guys as more expendable and and not. Oh, we need to get that guy at a discount. You know, we need to lock him up now and hope that that deal, you know, goes goes well for us over the long haul. Whereas on the opposite side of that, you look at a team like Arizona has been very aggressive yeah. at doing that, you they know. Go too far the other way, but <laughs> well, because I mean, you look at it, the Christian Dvorak deal last year. Yeah, you know, six years, and they gave him, and the AAV is four point four five million per, and he was coming off of a 37, 37 point season. Yep. You know, he had his first two years thirty three points, thirty seven points, so. Uh, a little, a little compresque. It's very much that kind of deal. But a guy, I think that they're hoping for more from. Yeah, sure. And and look, you know, you could probably go out and get someone to do that role in free agency, but you're gonna pay more in free agency. Yeah, that's how free agency works. So. I mean, just like, look at Matt Calvert as the perfect example. Right, ex- exactly. So you can pay that more in free agency to not lock these guys up, and maybe even you end up getting a slight upgrade that <clears> way. <throat> but you're not going to have that money to spend elsewhere. And doing this, locking up guys longer term, yes, there's a little bit of risk, but it gives you more flexibility in so many ways. Oh, and, and I mean, it just it locks down your identity, too. It does. You know, you're not constantly going to be shuffling guys in and out of out of certain roles. Now, you don't want to go locking everybody up because then, you know, you're going to run into you're going to run into a jam. What happens when Cout and the two first round picks this year, you know, do do blossom and and it is time for them to come into the NHL. What happens when Nick Malosh and Connor Timmons show up? You know, the defense is already kind of there where you're like, okay, (laughs) what's going to happen here? Yeah, you, you have to keep flex spots in your roster for sure. You can't just say, yes, all six of my bottom six are signed for the next five years. That's makes no sense. 
But right. they better be but, really good in that case. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't hurt to have one or two depth type players, third liner or middle six types, locked up a little bit longer. Yeah, it it just means that you're not shopping for that guy every year. You know, exactly. you're not you're not going out at the deadline and acquiring a middle six guy every single season. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's not insignificant. You know, I think that's I think that's an important distinction is that that's that's what gets teams in trouble is when they're they're constantly trying to find those middle of the roster guys and the value form is kind of weird because they're important to other teams but you have to overpay in terms of draft picks to get them I mean second round pick for Brian Boyle perfect example Brian Boyle's a really good fourth liner like a solid fourth line guy that can chip in you know 15 to 20 points for you maybe a little bit more kill penalties for you, win face-offs, do, you know, do all those like little things that have value, but the teams pay too much to get. And especially when they don't have a guy like that already on the roster, they do dumb stuff at the deadline for them. And what they want to do, what the Avs really want to do is put themselves in a position where they don't have to do that every year. Yep. You know, they don't have to go out and get Derek Broussard and, and hope that, the guy that he's been all season suddenly turns around. And then when it doesn't, it's like, okay. Yeah. I've, I've always been a, a supporter of if you're doing something at the deadline, at least do something big. Don't, don't mess around with those bottom six type players. And to do that, you have to have a set bottom six already. And right. You do that through ELC contracts and, and getting value out of those players. All right. I agree with you. I think that's going to do it for this segment. We've got one segment left in which we're going to talk about the big fish. Yep. We're going to get into the Miko talk here. (laughs) Tie all this back into Jeff Skinner as he was kind of our jumping off point for the show. Before we do that, what if I told you that you could order your liquor on a mobile app, have it delivered to you the same day, and save money doing it? Because that's exactly what I'm telling you. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie, and they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they're locally owned and operated, so you're helping out the local guy, and you know how we love the local guy. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering a $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. That does it for segment number two. This is the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Beverage, and we will be right back. And welcome in third and final segment here, the BSN Avalanche Podcast, presented by Total Beverage. Nathan, what is a quirky habit that you have? A quirky habit? Yeah. Okay, Uh, I have hyperhidrosis in my hands. If you don't know what that is, it means my hands sweat a ridiculous amount. Really? Yeah, so... My keyboard and mouse get extremely dirty if I don't clean them constantly. Uh, huh. For I know you watch some StarCraft too, so Gumiho actually has this too. And Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he's where I learned this from. He takes a towel with him to all the tournaments he goes to. Mm-hmm. And just after every game, he wipes off his mouse and keyboard to keep it clean. So I start, I've started doing that. Wow. I've never heard of that, and I had no idea uh, he... He did that. Yeah, that's why they call him the Towel Terran. 
I, to be honest with you, watch most of my esports on mute now. Fair. <laughs> as much as I love Tastosis, um, <laughs> and like they're like the only ones I'll listen to. Same. Uh, even now, they're they can get so loud. Yeah. Like I'll be watching, you know, I'll be watching GSL, and it'll be three o'clock in the morning, and I'll be like laying in bed watching it on my phone. And Artosis just starts like screaming about them. Oh my god! And you're like, oh my god, dude! Why don't you just wake up my whole house, bro? Damn. (laughs) So I don't. uh, A lot of times now, I I'll watch it with like background music on that I can control the volume of, or I'll just watch it with nothing on, just like I'm like that like creepy guy like sitting there in silence watching my phone. That's right. interesting. And I've, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know what it was. It was just like the way I existed until I learned from Gumio. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of, instead of like learning build orders or how to, you know, how to, how to play mech really well or, <laughs> yeah. or how to be the master of TVT, you learned sweaty hands. Yeah. That turns out when you smudge every piece of glass you touch, that's not normal. Oh. Huh. That's that's interesting stuff. No, I'd never uh, totally unfamiliar. Cool, learned something interesting. <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know how you know how people always say that they have OCD. Yeah, and it's like one of the most annoying things ever because it's like, no, you don't. You have a quirk, right? Like, or like you have like a little tick or whatever. Uh, I have an actual, uh, an actual compulsion. Yeah, uh, that started when I was very very young. Um, I remember doing it all through elementary school, so um, it at least started before then, because I remember doing it all the time. <laughs> um, I I have a, my compulsion is counting. Interesting. And uh, so every time that I'm walking somewhere, I count my steps. And um, I have an uh, my it's all about counting to twenty the number twenty four, and so I do everything that I do in sets of like either two or four or 12 to get to try to to try to get to 24. And when I count things, I'll do them backwards. Like when I count my monitor, like I'm I'm doing it right now, actually Um, I count the, the frame on my monitor. So there's like four sides to it. Right. Yeah. But I break each side down into four little sides because if you, you know, they're each rectangles. Quarter sections, yeah. Right. And so that gets me to 16. And then I count the actual monitor. I count the actual space inside of it as 20. And then I I count like the big thing on the outside. And that's how I get to 24. And then I go and I do it backwards. Interesting. And yeah, and I didn't think this was a thing. And I was reading, uh, I was reading up on it one time. And uh, when I was uh, in therapy. Um, you know, my dad died when I was uh, 16. And so I went to, a, uh, you know, I was, I saw a therapist for a long time, uh, in my teen years. And <clears throat> he was telling me all about, he was like, no, this is an actual compulsion of yours. You have a, you, you're like, you actually have OCD, um, because you make up your own rules and like you do this everywhere you go. And it's, it's things that you do. Uh, I count the, the letters inside words. So like right now pulled up on my screen, uh, I've got Twitch on one of my monitors because uh, E3 is going on. Yeah. And so it says special events and special is seven, uh, seven letters and events is six. So in order to uh, in order to get that to 24, I cut off the S just mentally and call it a special event. 
because that gets me to 12 and then yeah. I count them backwards to get to 24. Nice. Why 24? I don't know. Um, that's just always been my number when I count things. Like if I have to count things in big sets, I do I do it in sets of 24. I don't do it. I don't just count them. Interesting. Uh, I get to 24 and I stop and I start over at one again and then I go from there. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it does not it doesn't have like a strong like some people's OCD like really screws them up. Yeah. And like, you know, especially the people who are like, oh, I have to wash my hands. I have to you know, I have to. They have to do. They have to like live their life in a certain way yeah. around it. Right. Uh, I'm obviously I'm glad that my compulsion does not do that, uh, and that I'm able to function and do and like live my normal life regularly um, while counting all these things. So it's just one of those things, one of those small things, you know. Yeah, it makes you you. Yeah, and you know we're in the summer now, so we get to have these we get to have these sidebar conversations at the beginning of segments. Can't wait for August. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a plan for August to get us through. Okay, so um, I don't know if it's a good one, but it's a plan. <laughs> Better than no plan. For now, though, it is June tenth, and we've got time. We do so. Apologies to everybody listening that that took six minutes to get through. I didn't think it was going to. (laughs) It's just sort of where we ended up. The Jeff Skinner contract and its effects. I think it's going to have major effects. And obviously the big question on everybody, everybody's mind that's in avalanche land is what does this mean for Miko Rantanen? Well, it, it is a bit of a different situation. Rantanen is an RFA compared to Skinner, who would have been a UFA if he didn't get signed. So it, in that regard, it's not that similar. But as far as a player sticking with their team, who's one of their top producers and is going to get paid, that way there's a, t- a lot of similarities. Rantanen, better player than Jeff Skinner, I think. I don't even think it's that close, even though Skinner scores more goals. But he's also younger. So locking him up longer term is a lot safer. And, and that's my key for the abs is I think they should certainly give him seven years. And if they can eight. Yeah. The big thing is that Rantanen still has four years to go. Right. To get to unrestricted free agency. And so when you're looking at a long-term contract, say a seven year deal, you're only buying three UFA years. You are, and and that's fair. Uh, if if you want to get every year out of him, you can. Then you could look at a bridge, but you're doing that knowing that on his next contract, after a, a two or three year bridge, he's going to get paid a lot. Right. Which, P.S. When when Sackett kind of hinted at this in his presser after the year that this was a possibility, he said we'd like to do something long term. But if we have to do short-term, we will. Yeah. And I know that some people were like, well, that's unacceptable. The player's not, you can't make the player sign a long-term contract. (laughs) Like, you can't, like, force choke him out until he does it, right? Like, you can't, like, you you will sign a long-term contract and, like, Jedi mind trick him into it. Like, that's not the way that it works. He has to be willing to do it. And from the sounds of what we've heard all season long, uh, in talking to his agent, is that they're weary of signing a long-term deal. 
unless unless the abs slap down a lot of money a long-term contract is not something that they maybe really want to get into right now yeah no i wonder about that um because if the abs are doing a short-term deal he's going to be an rfa at the end of it they have no reason to to take him to ufa with it no they're not going to give him a four-year deal so you're looking at a three-year deal or maybe a two if that's what they decide to do whatever yeah but Rantanen doesn't really have much leverage to work with in negotiating a contract like that. He doesn't even have arbitration rights yet because he's coming off of his ELC. So if you're looking to do something like make an extremely hard push for a cup right now over the next two or three years, that could be a legitimate option to get Rantanen fairly cheap. And then you have more money to work with to go all in. Do like a, like a two year deal at like eight or 9 million. I'd say closer to eight would. I would. I would say if with. I'm doing two years, I'm asking him to 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 take like seven or eight million. Right. I think that's that's more where I'd be comfortable with it in, on a deal like that. And but I, to be honest, personally, I would just say pay him whatever it takes to get him seven or eight and be done with it. But yeah, well, because like what we're talking about here is. If he goes, if he goes three years, say that it's he goes three more seasons and and he plays at an eighty-five point pace, he's going to get thirteen, fourteen million dollars. Yeah, easily. So why not give him today? Why not give him just the ten or ten and a half million over eight years? And and if he takes, if he turns down the eighty million dollars, then that's on him. Yeah. Like, You've offered you've offered a twenty one year old eighty million dollars, and if he says no, you know eight years uh, by ten million, and if he says no, then he says no. Yeah. You know, would you would you go as a high as eleven to get the eight years? Because again, like by the end of this, if he continues to produce the way that he has. By the end of whatever like bridge deal or whatever, you're going to be paying more than eleven million anyway. Yeah, I, I guess it would be unfair of me to say I do twelve and a half for Panarin and not do eleven for Rantanen. So I guess I probably would. That's just max money. Yep. Like you're not winning. You're winning the the, the negotiation in that you're keeping the player and he's going to be around for a long time. But you're not winning you're not winning that contract negotiation. Like you're not getting a steal. You're not getting any kind of a major discount here. You're, you're paying and it would be a relatively. The fact that he's a wing, I think makes this interesting because this is not Connor McDavid driving it himself. Right. You know, this is not Jack Eichel driving it himself. You know, Leon Dreisaitl got eight and a half million largely playing robin to mcdavid's batman yeah and that's the contract that i think they need to be looking looking at and working off of uh now that contract you know that song that contract is signed two years ago yep so uh and that was with uh him coming with uh uh, dry coming off of a 70 point season not back-to-back 80 point seasons yeah it's it's a decent comparable, but Rantanen is going to get more. He just is based off of just about every metric. Yeah. And 
you know, we've seen Drysidle now. That I mean, that deal right now looks, looks great. Fantastic. Like Drysidle's coming off a hundred and five point season for eight and a half million dollars. You're like, yeah, okay. So for Rantanen, that's where I'm saying, like you, you're looking at that and you're saying, all right, well, nine and a half, ten million then. Yeah, if if you can get Rantanen for seven figures. Even I, I do that. Who cares about the eighth year? If it's nine and a half for seven years, done. What if it's six? Oh, man, six is a tough one because that's right in between. You're getting two UFA years. <sighs> but if it, it's if it's six, it's say nine million. Yeah, that that gets really tempting once you're if you're chopping it down to to nine million, but. I just don't know that if you're doing that, why not just take it to the extreme and give him the bridge and really cut down what you're paying him and then deal with another contract later. It feels too in the middle for me. A six year deal feels in the middle to you. Yeah. You're, you're not getting the value of UFA years from him. Someone's still going to pay him a bajillion dollars at the end of that contract. And you're, you're still getting you're still buying two UFA years for under ten million dollars, which are. by the time he reaches that, he could be a thirteen or fourteen million dollar player. He could be. He very well could be, but why not buy at least one more, if not two more UFA years if you're gonna go that way? Well, what I'm what I'm saying is like what if that's the limit to what he'll say yes to? If you're the team, yeah, don't you just take that? That's fair. I mean, if you're at the table and he says, "I'm not doing more than six years," then you you do it. I don't I don't think that you want to hold back if he's not willing to do the seven or the eight. But I would really work hard on him and his agent to get seven out of him. Yeah, because he's 22. He's 22 right now. Yeah, and so he'll be you know six years that that puts him at 28 years old. That puts him right at the heart of free agency. You bought out a couple of UFA years, but that sets him up for another contract. Right. He's going to get insane money if he is a if UFA you, If you do eight years, that puts him at 30 years old, and that puts you right in the middle of no man's land. Yep. Where um, maybe on his next deal, you're paying for purely decline out of his prime. Right, but from Rantanen's perspective, I think he still gets paid massively at 30, you know, barring anything crazy happening. Assuming his career continues to yeah. go this way, of course. Right. Yes, obviously. Um, but, right, that's it's definitely a different conversation if you're the Avs having to sign him again at 30. That's why I'm wondering if they want a bridge deal, the Avs would like the eight-year deal. I wonder if six years is, like, where they find the fair territory of, We'll give you nine, nine and a half million. We want to keep this under 10, but you guys don't want to go eight years. Six years means that we could still pay you for two, two of the years in his twenties on the next contract. You know, you're still getting the end of his prime and he's getting paid for that. And you don't worry as much about the decline because then, then you do want to give him seven or eight years. You want to finish. You want to make sure that he finishes his career in Colorado at that point. Yeah, for sure. I, Which it's funny we're talking about him finishing his career like in contract yeah. terms. Like he maybe maybe he ends up just signing two eight year deals and that's that's it for his contract. I would love that. <laughs> like how how easy would that be? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. You know. 
I just like seven better. I just think that extra year has a lot of value. If you're not going for the all-in push of a, a bridge deal, get as much as you can out of them. Well, it has huge value because you're not also, you know, you're also talking about McKinnon will have gotten his raise by then. Yeah, that's true. Landeskog will have gotten his raise by then. You know, Kale McCarr will be on his second contract. Like you, ex- you know, you expect by that point that that sixth year, that seventh year, this roster is. I mean, it's for one, it's completely different. Yes, and a lot of these core guys are still going to be hanging around. You hope, like you hope, things go well enough to justify keeping a lot of these guys around. And but they're going to be way more expensive. And, you know, getting getting a seventh year out of Ranton in at nine million instead of having to pay, you know, 14 million for him at the start of his next contract. That, that's a huge difference. It, it is. And that's that's a five. That's five million dollar player that they could go out and get in that year. You know, and who knows what you know, who knows what they've won or what the situation the team looks like. You know, you know, who knows how many business Spencer Knight has won by then. <laughs> We just don't know. There you go. Well, so yeah, and that and that's the other factor too, right? We've talked about the number of options for the abs and free agency here, and and I think other than maybe Panarin, most of them we aren't super comfortable giving seven years to. Yeah. So, so those are things that will fall off the books before Rantanen's contract is up if you get him that seven. Yeah, definitely. You want, I mean, well, and, and Panarin, it's just like, the guy's just too good. Right, of course. He's a, he's a truly, like, an elite, elite, elite level player. Yeah, I, I wouldn't shed any tears if we have both Rantanen and Panarin signed for the next seven years. Oh, my God, dude. <sighs> <sighs> but an, another interesting little uh, little point to a contract here just to kind of tie it back into Jeff Skinner is Jeff Skinner's signing bonuses is mm. it, it's like the signal for the first horseman of the lockout basically. <laughs> right. And we saw this a little bit in some of the other deals. Uh, we saw it in Kucherov's contract last year. Yeah. This is an extreme example though. It, yeah. This one he got, I think in 2020, 2021, it's seven and a half million of his 10 million. He's getting paid that year is signing bonus. Then he skips 21, 22 and in 22, 23, he does it again. Yeah. So it's, those it's are specifically made for anti lockout. Right. And so for those uh, unfamiliar uh, with the terms of this current CBA, uh, there are mutual opt out options that will happen this summer. And uh, in September of this year, I think it's like September 1st and September 15th. Uh, And if both sides agree to opt out, then 2020-2021 becomes the season in doubt. Mm -hmm. And that's why his signing bonus is $7.5 million, because regardless of whether or not there's a CBA or if they're playing, he will get a $7.5 million check from the Buffalo Sabres on July 1st. Yep. And... The if they choose not to opt out of the CBA, then the CBA ends in 2022, and on July 1st in 2022, Jeff Skinner will get a 7.5 million dollar check, regardless of the status of the CBA. Yep, it's... and that's that is lockout protection for the players. Uh, I bring up the Nikita Kucherov contract because when he signed his deal last year, 
Uh, he signed a $76 million deal, 44.5 million of which is in signing bonuses. <laughs> and so he doesn't July 1st every year, that dude can do whatever the hell he wants. Cause he <laughs> is getting crazy cash on uh, July 1st every year. He making mad money. We saw the same thing. Uh, John Tavares's contract. Yep. A more extreme example $77 million deal uh, from from trader number one, and 70890000 of it is in signing bonuses. Yeah, to, I guess... Kind John of Tavares the- makes less than a million dollars in salary every single year with the Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's it's a way to for players to get guaranteed money, right? Yeah, and, like, and, and these are buyout-proof contracts because... When they buy it out, uh, the money that gets cut is your salary. Right. You so. make the you make the signing bonus money no matter what. Yep. So if you were to go and like buy out his contract, buy out John Tavares's contract, the cap hit is ten million dollars. <laughs> so it doesn't uh, do doesn't do a damn thing for you. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, maybe that's something to think about when you're signing a guy for eight years. I, I think it's going to be something Colorado has to be willing to do. Uh, we haven't seen them get yeah. very crazy. I wouldn't uh, be we worried about buying out Rantanen either. <laughs> right, but I mean, they have to be willing to, to structure it. They have to yeah. be willing to give. Because, you know, Nathan uh, Nathan McKinnon's contract includes no signing bonuses. Every single penny of his contract is in uh, salary. Yeah. salary. So if he has a devastating knee injury and he can't play anymore in the last couple of years of his deal... You know, they could theoretically buy that out, and he loses out a ton of money. Yep. But it's not against the cap. Right. You know, Landis Cog, same thing. Zero dollars in signing bonuses. They have not shown an affinity for doing that. Um, Eric Johnson, the same exact thing. It's all been straight salary. They have not gotten creative with any of these contracts. Yeah, the other thing that, all these guys have in common is uh, an NMC. I think Skinner and Tavares have just a complete one across the whole contract. I'm not sure on Kucherov, but. Oh God, I would imagine, right? It looks like he it's modified for the last couple of years, but, but basically. Oh, this first year there was nothing. And then he has a full NMC for four years. And then he has a modified no trade clause the last three years. That's weird. That is a little weird, but. Regardless, these when you're locking these guys up, you're locking them up. They're not really very movable, right? And I would expect the the same thing for Rantanen as far as that is concerned. Yeah, and Rantanen's not allowed to have um that kind of right. trade protection put in until he's off his ELC, right? Yeah, um, I think it's I think it's the when he gets he's his UFA years are eligible for trade protection. Yeah. And so the I, first four years of the deal, he would not have any of that in there. Right. But you know, maybe that's a, that's a talking point to get him to seven or eight is they say, Hey, we'll slap the NMC on your UFA years. Yeah. I mean, this, this should not be a conversation, you know, but you know, I mean, obviously you never know how it goes. Uh, we we thought Matt Duchesne would be an app for life just because he wanted to be in Colorado so badly, and then he didn't anymore. Yeah. So, you know, you just never really know how it goes, and that could have presented complications. 
uh, in the Duchesne thing had had he had any kind of protection. It certainly could have. But it yeah, still should it, not be something you're worried about. It should be something you're willing yeah. to give a guy like Ranton in. And, and it is it is a signal when you do give that to a guy, especially if you're a franchise that doesn't give a lot of them out. Like if you're Detroit and you've handed them out to freaking everybody, yeah. then it's just like, okay, well, when I'm dealing with Detroit, I'm looking to get this. Like I'm right. trying to get this out of them. Uh, but if you're if you're dealing with Colorado, you have a little less and they're and they if they're willing to go there, it means a lot more just because they historically haven't. Yeah, they had a couple of silly ones, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean like the thirty five plus guys, yeah. um, that's different. But right, for their for their young core type players, they, they have not done that very much. And it, yeah. it, it certainly is a signal that they want to keep you around and and you're important. Yeah, the uh, Landis like Landiscog's got a modified no trade clause. Yeah, they they and, seem partial to to doing that instead of a full on. Yeah, and well, and and um, uh, what's his face? Carl Soderberg has one as well. What's yeah. his face? I could picture him. I was like, you know, <laughs> that guy. Uh, he's he's got one as well, and and of course you have Eric Johnson has like the weird. No, move, I, but also a trade list. <laughs> yeah, like what is this? <laughs> yeah, that one's definitely a little weird. But right, it's I mean stuff like that for Ranson, and you, you give him pretty much everything as far as that concerned, whatever he wants. Yeah, like when it with a guy like Ranson, and, and certainly a guy like when McKinnon comes up again. Yeah, twenty twenty three. Um. You give those guys whatever. Those are those guys are your franchise. They are the crux of your success and failure. So, for sure, you know they don't make the postseason these last couple of years without those cats. Pay them whatever, honestly. Like that's you want to be fiscally responsible, but you don't want to piss these guys off, right? Don't lowball them, certainly. <laughs> yeah, don't go in and be like, "All right, Miko, how about this David Posternot contract?" <laughs> At six point six 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 million per year for six years. Does that sound cool? <laughs> like, it, don't don't be offensive. Like, go in there and understand. Okay, we're probably using Drysidle as the comp, and yep. and it's not even a great comp at that. It's there's not really one for Miko Ranton, and he's kind of his own market right now. Yeah, I I agree with that. You gotta you gotta be reasonable with it and. If it costs you an extra 500k, it costs you an extra 500k. No need to be stingy. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for today for us. Uh, we're going to be talking. This is not the last time we talk about Miko Ranton and his contract situation. Certainly it is going to be something yeah. that we talk about probably all summer. I have said previously, I fully expect the RFA market to carry on into uh, September. So there's your plan for August. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about it every day. <laughs> with, uh, I mean, with Mitch Marner and Sebastian yeah. Ajo and Patrick Laine and... Even guys like Kappen and... And, and uh, Matthew Kachuk, like the high-end guys are all up at the same time. And so they're all kind of waiting for one domino to fall. Yep. The only one that seems aggressive with it is Marner, who's like, oh, give me 10 million and... You know, if he actually goes out, like, I think the whole key to this RFA thing could be Mitch Marner, has, has, his agent has threatened for him to go on um, offer sheet trips. 
if somebody signs him to an offer sheet, that immediately moves yep. the RFA market because now there's a contract to set. Yep, exactly. You have a dollar value then. Yep, because he's, I believe he's the highest scoring RFA. Um, he had an, so, yeah. a Braden Point. Um, can't, I always forget he's on this market too. <laughs> you forget. He's like a superstar point production. <laughs> Kucherov just went out and scored 130 on that team. So. They had three 90-point scores. Yeah, that's insane. And it's... I'm not going to get into this. This is, this will yeah. be a whole thing that'll piss me <laughs> off again. Uh, but yeah, like Braden Point... He's also out there, 92 points. Uh, so he's a guy that, you know, any if any of these guys get signed, any of these guys get anything done, uh, it starts to it starts to put it, it could grease the wheels a little. Yeah, it creates a a dollar value bubble. Something for guys to actually start working off of and say, all right, let's do this. Yep. All right. In terms of what we're gonna do, we're gonna get out of here for the day. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, just get ranting and done for whatever it takes. And then as I've said in previous shows, go get that bread, go get that bread. <sighs> I try not to think about it too much. Cause I'm like, my brain almost can't handle how good that would immediately make them. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I don't think about it very much. Cause I, I don't allow myself to go there. Well, um, everyone can yell at me when it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm prepared for that reality. Well, and, and, you know, it'll be like the same people who, when they got the fourth pick in the lotto, who were like, I don't know why everybody's upset. Those were the statistical odds. And you're like, because you were hoping for something better, you dick. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the same, it'll be the same thing with Panarin. Like, oh, he was never coming here. Like, if you've taken that stance, that's great. But there's hope. if you can't dream a little then i don't know why bother then yeah why even go to sleep jeez (laughs) no and the the thing with the the panarin stuff is like florida it's like oh florida's gonna like have you seen how much money is tied up in florida already like (laughs) it's not a little bit (laughs) like they've got 22 million in cap space true but they have guys to sign and you know they've <laughs> they've got a lot of forwards already so they and they they've drafted nothing but forwards <laughs> for years and so it's the florida thing is weird to me uh especially because there's all kinds of talk that uh, uh Panarin and Quinville did not necessarily see eye to eye yeah like they were not like i don't know that it'll be how much of a selling point it'll be for him in florida like familiarity is great but i don't know that it was like oh my god i love playing for him i gotta go do it again you know not that that's what our jimmy panarin sounds like i have no idea what his voice is (laughs) i have no idea what his voice sounds like so that's a good end point right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here for the day. We will see you guys uh, tomorrow. It's the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage.
Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado Sports Network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page, where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer whenever they want. Just go to bsnbars.com, and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the vip image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free coors banquet beer at any of those bars there are over 20 bars there you're sure to find one close to you it's bsnbars.com find a bar and get a free coors banquet on the house thanks for listening to the bsn denver podcast network ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.